0: Quick disclaimer: All information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and/or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untethered Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Balkin. I'm a certified orofacial myologist, feeding specialist, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, tethered oral tissue, and airway space. I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to get this information out to the masses. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to episode 59 of the Untethered podcast. Today we have Timothy King and Sarah Beach joining us. Timothy King is a myotherapist of 20 plus years living in Melbourne, Australia. Myotherapy is like a cross between physical therapy and myofascial release. Clinically, he has a special interest in cervicogenic headache and TMD with much clinical success. He's provided well over 60,000 appointments with over 7,000 patients, and today he provides training in a very fast, efficient neuromyofascial technique for physical therapists and soft tissue therapists of all varieties. The techniques that he and his colleagues have developed over the past few decades rely heavily on the latest science around fascia, pain science, and movement, and are much faster than the traditional myofascial release techniques. This has made these techniques very popular among body workers and very accessible adjunct to professionals in the dental, myofunctional therapy, and speech pathology world. Sarah Beach graduated dental school as an oral health therapist over 20 years ago in Australia and has since worked in Switzerland and Singapore, as well as Australia. She studied myofunctional therapy about six years ago and has since worked heavily in the tongue tie area, providing pre and post OMT for phrenectomy patients. Her interests lay in pediatric dentistry and complex pain patients. She represents light scalpel lasers in Australia and has a company called Eye Health Co, which delivers international speakers for continuing education, as well as co-founding Orofacial Myology Australia. She's a very patient husband, three young children, and loves to travel. Tim and Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I'm very excited to have you here tonight.
1: Great to be here.
2: Yes, thank you so much for having us, Hallie. We're we're really excited.
0: Well, let's dive right on in. And let's just start by telling everybody a little bit about each of you, and then we can talk about how you came together.
2: So my name's Sarah Beach, and I'm what you call an advanced scope oral health therapist. So I'm a dental practitioner here in Australia. Um, I've spent most of my career in pediatrics, um, but I am trained to do general dentistry on adults and children. Um, over the past few years, I've become aware and enlightened by my functional therapy. It was probably about five or six years ago I started working in a dental clinic that specialized in phrenectomies. Um, and that started with infant phrenectomies, and then we moved on to kids, and then we moved into adults and chronic pain. So I've also done a couple of degrees in communication and public health. So I, I've, yeah, I kind of. Um, have lots of interest in lots of different things. Over the past few years, also I've collaborated with the Breathe Institute as well as running my own CPD courses out here in Australia. So we've had Larry Kotlow out here and Marty Kaplan and Sandra Colson and a whole range of really wonderful American pioneers to come and try to educate health professionals in Australia. That's been my passion and my drive behind everything is get that education out there.
0: That's
1: awesome. And Tim, how about you? So I'm a myotherapist. Now, myotherapy is a therapy that was kind of coined in Australia some 35 years ago or so, and it's basically like a physical therapist, but with a special interest in chronic pain and myofascial pain and dysfunction in particular. And so myotherapists, whereas physical therapy these days is moving away from hands-on, Myotherapy is um, uh, the hallmark of myotherapy is hands-on, so hands-on soft tissue work, myofascial work. So, for the last twenty uh, something, uh, twenty-two years or whatever, I've been practicing clinically. And um, my a little part of my story is um, doing hands-on work can can be hard work. And uh, I started after a year or two. Once I started to get busy, I got uh, a bit fatigued, and so. Um, I did a lot of research into fascia and a lot of research into some very, very efficient techniques, thankfully from some um, practitioners uh, very close to me in um, uh, where I am in Victoria, in southern Australia, um, who uh, practitioners who had very efficient techniques but had no idea why they worked. And so I managed to combine my uni, education and further research into fascia to figure out how I could get results much, much more quickly with soft tissue. And I accomplished that. So I ended up seeing like 100 patients a week, uh, doing the hands-on, which not a lot of soft tissue therapists can do, but all word of mouth, um, great results. And I have a real passion about cervical spine, cervicogenic headache, uh, TMJ. So um, helps thousands of patients with those type of um, uh, complaints.
0: That's incredible. I need need to hear more about that, obviously. But first, (laughs) let's talk about how you two came together and, you know, what that relationship came to be or how it came to be.
2: So, so like I said, I was working in that tongue tie clinic. Now, prior to that, I've I've worked um, in Switzerland, in Singapore, in Australia. I've worked in every dental specialty practice that exists. So I've seen a lot. And as you know, in speech pathology, there's a lot of unanswered questions. It's just you're told, you know, there's a tongue tie, make a note of it. That was my extent of training in tongue tie. I remember really clearly parents asking me, what do we do with that? And I said, oh, just leave it, you know. And um, so... So anyway, when I returned to Australia and started working in this dental practice, frenectomy clinic, um, I started to not only see, you know, it's like a religion. You see these newborn babies coming in, having their tongue ties released. Hallelujah. They can feed again. Um, and that whole learning journey that comes with it, it's not as simple as just do the release all the body work and all the you know the tummy time everything else that goes part and parcel now as you as you move through those those babies and you start to identify the toddlers and the, the kids so I'm seeing pediatric dental patients and starting to recognize these oral restrictions and um and then starting to move into adults and it was my my brother my older brother actually who I remember for years you know he had issues with eating with his mouth open and his wife would always say close your mouth don't eat with your mouth open and um and so i thought let's let's release his tongue tie so we had him come in and um and then it was my nieces and nephews and then we went on to adults and then we became known for for adult phrenectomies. And so what what we started to see come in was the people that had really obvious tongue ties, um, but also the people that had tongue ties that weren't so obvious, or maybe weren't even restricted tongues, but had gone to every practitioner out there suffering with TMD, so temporomandibular joint dysfunction or headaches or neck pain. And they started, there was this movement of, oh, well, it must be the tongue tie. So I started to interact with these patients. So by then I'd studied myofunctional therapy. I'm doing all the pre and post care for the phrenectomy. So guiding them through that, seeing incredible changes in their speech and their eating and and um, in their pain levels and just the overall appearance of their faces, these, these kids and adults. And um, to the point where I was starting to notice some of them, were much better before they had the phrenectomy. And actually the phrenectomy wasn't really a good move for them, but they were hell-bent on having that phrenectomy done. So I had amazing compliance from these patients. Now, what I started to observe was, you know, my functional therapy is, you know, it can be hard work on a patient who's dysfunctional. So, you know, we always worked hand-in-hand with the body worker, but finding a body worker who could help these adult chronic pain patients was really challenging and so i started to do my research and you know go to different chiropractors and physios and osteopaths and say show me what you do and i started to just integrate those moves in the practice i didn't know i didn't know what i was doing but i knew wasn't harmful, but, but, you know, patients were responding. And, you know, when you do that, my headaches go. And, and um, so then I thought, oh, I've really got to do some formal training because nobody knows, so maybe I need to learn. And we had a, a physical therapist from the United States come out here, Walt Fritz, and I did his course. You know, he targets a speech pathologist. So I was the only dental practitioner in the room. It was full of speech pathologists. And um, during that course, I said to him, you know, what am I feeling for? How long do I hold it? I can't do this in a dental chair. I can't sit there for five minutes or 50 minutes and not have a clue what I'm actually feeling. And, um, and so anyway, so meanwhile I'd noticed this guy Timothy King online teaching my fascial release, but it was for the body. And I said to him, can you just teach me stuff for the head? Because nobody's doing that fast and effectively. And, um, and I, I'll never forget the first time I spoke to, to Tim, um, you know, he was, he was in Mauritius doing some humanitarian work and I'm saying, can you just create a course just for me? I just need to learn this. And um, he's like, oh, well, I can, you know. Anyway, so over the years I was sending him, pic- you know, videos of patients and, um, and basically saying, what do I do here? What do I do there? And slowly started to learn and apply his techniques Um, until eventually I got, this is not going to sound good, but I got really sick of patients wanting to come back to me to be helped after, you know, after we'd finished our myofunctional therapy and phrenectomies and, and I, I just wanted to be a dental practitioner and they were saying, but I don't get the same relief from my body worker. So I need to come back to you. So I was saying, okay, well, maybe we can do three monthly checks and cleans and and I can do it then. Um, So anyway, long story short is I said to Tim, we need to teach people this stuff because it's crazy that I'm not a formally trained body worker, but patients are getting the most relief they've gotten from me. And um, I said, so let's collaborate and because I know that body workers don't like sticking their fingers in people's mouths and I'm really comfortable in the mouth and, (laughs) you know, and conversely, dental practitioners, we don't like putting our fingers outside people's mouths. So getting that combination right and having it fast and being able to integrate it into a myofunctional therapy session or into a dental examination or a dental treatment was the key. And that's basically what we've come up with. Sorry, Tim, I didn't give you much of a chance to, to that's talk right. I mean,
1: You said You said long story short, but it was more long story I mean, was, long. But that's okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anything else we <laughs> you should add to that, Tim?
1: Well, from. Yeah, I was on the other side of the planet, like um, Sarah said. And after 20 years of clinical practice, um, my I took my family and did some humanitarian work overseas. And I needed to, I'd had this idea in the back of my mind to teach manual therapists the techniques that I'd learned because um, uh, there were similar techniques being taught but with basically a terrible scientific rationale, like, like no, you know, um, no solid foundation under why it works or how it works. And I'd thought through a lot of this and done a lot of my own research and had a pretty strong scientific up-to-date type of rationale. And I thought um, therapists really need to know this. And so I started training therapists online. And the main reason, one of the main reasons, was to generate some some kind of income online while I was overseas. And that's where Sarah saw me online doing that. And she said, "I just, I don't want that whole body thing. I just want the... Jaw bit like just
0: a course
1: you just, be from the neck up, <laughs> yeah. you just make yeah. it and I said, Well, no, I, I don't really have anything like that specifically. So, but we started talking. I went and did some training with Sandy Colson, along with Sarah, and have since sat under and collaborated with um, uh, the Breathe Institute and Dr. Surusagi, as well as Larry Kotlow, sat under. Um, Larry Kotlow, and I don't know who else, just name after name and learned in the last two to three years, um, just uh, clinically, I've always had very good results with TMD and, and symbiotic problems and headaches. Very good, um, which has has made me very, very busy. Uh, but wow, have my eyes been opened in the last few years with all the all the research and um, understanding the role of tongue posture and understanding maxilla growth and uh, really just has expanded my understanding of um, the the TM joint, the, the jaw joint in particular and its relationship. Um, and so, uh, this is kind of Sarah's fault, but <laughs> <laughs> I uh, the, the beauty of it was that. Unlike most, um, whether it's craniosacral work or whether it's myofascial release, um, those kind of techniques are very slow and they're very kind of specialized. Um, mm. The beauty of the way I work is that it, it is very fast. And so mm. if, you're, if you're quite precise and um, you can watch closely and, and mimic and practice the, the techniques, um, then as Sarah has learned, you can provide relief for people very, very quickly, and it can improve function very quickly. So uh, there's a lot more to say on that. Probably one little, one little thing on that is when I sat, when I first heard Sarush speak, he came to Sydney, uh, Dr. Zaghi, and he one of the stats and Sarah alluded to this a minute ago. One of the stats that he had observed clinically, they've found that um, 50% of people who they suspect need some, need a phrenectomy or phrenioplasty. They do the myofunctional retraining and their symptoms go away. Their airway improves and they find, well, you know, 50% of the time they don't actually even need the, the release because they're functionally improved. And um, I thought, well, that's, that's wonderful. Like it's a perfect mirror of what the physical therapy world is learning So the physical therapy world used to be very interventionist. I'm the specialist. Let me put my hands on you. I'll fix it. Don't you do anything. You're just the patient. You're not qualified. And now um, the physical therapy world is going, oh, wait, science is teaching us that movement brings healing. And so I need to get that patient to move that knee or load it more, even though maybe initially it might be a bit uncomfortable, but that's what stimulates so much improvement. And so more and more physical therapy is being directed towards corrective exercise now and, um, and kind of a bit less hands-on. But the, the, the science underneath that is really exactly the same rationale that we see functionally around, um, around that orofacial complex. Um, and so, uh, when, yeah, when I heard those stats from Breathe Institute, I thought, that makes sense. Um, it's, it's perfect. It's great. Yeah. And
2: I think just to further qualify that, I don't, what Tim's saying is not that everyone who presents with a very obviously tethered tongue um, falls into that category, because if they're very obviously tethered, they need the work. The difference is the patients that come to us or go to the Breathe Institute are a wide range of patients who think they need a frenuloplasty. So 50% of those who are presenting with symptoms that they think might be related to a tongue tie, when in actual fact, it's you know there's the, they work collaboratively. So it's it's something else, um, but it's it's really driven by the fact that the patient hasn't been helped anywhere else. They've, they've they've exhausted all options and that's the beauty i think of where where the breathe institute sit and where i sat here in brisbane is i got to see this select group of patients who had all the red flags had been eliminated. They'd done, you know, every kind of, some of them had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, a lot of them had, you know, were just at the absolute end of their mental and physical tether, you know, suicide attempts and mental health issues. And, you know, I really got the cream of the crop to be dealing with, which really challenged me because because I didn't want to let them down. And when I saw such incredible results happening, but so varied, you know, some people responded so quickly. And then I started to take into account their mental health or how they'd been treated in the past by other clinicians. And I remember saying to Tim once, I said, I don't understand this because this guy, this patient of mine, he needed a back operation and I've done my functional therapy and we've done a phrenectomy with him and now he doesn't need a back operation and he was really <laughs> depressed before and now he's really happy and he's changing jobs and all these incredible things that would happen that I knew were just physical I knew there was something to do with and I used to say to these patients because they'd come from you know some of them would drive two hours four hours to come and see me and I'd say to them we could do this on over zoom you know and they'd say no we're going to come and see you and again I didn't understand that but I was putting my hands on them I was doing these release techniques I was talking to them and 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 then Tim started presenting me with studies about therapeutic alliance and how if you show your patients you care it actually helps in their healing and I went wow like this is how
1: you know like and I we had to do scientific research to figure that out, you know, like exactly, the exactly. there. Isn't area. it
0: bad that there's so many people out there who do not or just based on the medical system? I know in the US it's like as many as you can get in and get out in certain facilities that there isn't yeah. time for that patient care. And I do think that's why sometimes our patients latch on, you know, in my practice or to my team that I work with, because we sit and we spend the time with them and We're not rushing them in and out. You know, they might have a set therapy time, but we build into that time, you know, the conversation with them to understand what are you feeling? What are your goals? How can we help you? Why are you here today? What are you expecting out of this before we ever start to assess them or even get into talking about a treatment plan? So yeah. I definitely can relate to that. And, and I, I think that was a really good clarification because I also get a lot of people who come to me, whether it's moms and infants who are trying to either nurse or get back to nursing or just feed their baby in general, or we're getting older kids or even adults who I treat with Mayo. Um, I would probably say that, you know, half the cases that come to me too are borderline, right? Or they think they're coming because they need that pre-op work and then i'm going back to the dentist or somebody and going well hey actually they're kind of borderline they're like you know when i take their measurements i'm seeing like that between that 50 and 60 mark and i'm not entirely sure they actually need it but come back to me let's let's give them three weeks let's see what Mm -hmm. they do at home with their you know their program and let's see where they are three weeks from now before we jump in any further because they either might still need it in three weeks or we might know you know that we, we think they're well on their way to correcting this. So um, I think that's a really good point that one, not everybody needs a release, even though they may think they do when they initially come to you. But, you know, and obviously there's people who are very anteriorly tightly tied and no matter what they do, they're not okay. able to elevate their tongue. And that's a very different story. Um, but we get a lot of those borderline cases and so many health issues that no one has ever pinpointed before. And that's why they're ending up in my chair. I mean, I've had teen swimmers who are up all night who cannot sleep and then they're getting getting up at 4 4 a.m or 5 a.m to go swim after not sleeping all night but they had obstructive sleep apnea and unfortunately Mm -hmm. that was the end of the swimming career (laughs) i felt horrible about that but you know that was actually the teen's decision you know so we get these really interesting cases but they've been Mm -hmm. 20 other practitioners and not one person has been able to help them and you Mm -hmm. see that depressed teenager or adult sitting across the table from you and you're like I, I i gotta figure this out I gotta help them so that that resonates i, lo- I love hearing you know when other people are clearly very yeah. passionate about it and get it from that that point
2: yeah and there's so many healthcare providers out there i was listening to a podcast recently with an oral medicine specialist and and he was he was you know saying that pain patients you know people with orofacial pain can be really depressed. And, you know, if you're not ready to have those conversations kind, you didn't say steer away from them, but just be mindful that maybe you as a clinician might not want to have those conversations. And, you know, for me in, with my experience, I kind of, you know, sometimes those initial consultations can be really long and really heavy, but if you get that out the road to healing and also just, just ongoing. It's not an uphill battle anymore. It's all just been laid out on the table. And, and, you know, if you listen to your patients and we, we quote this in our, in our course, if you lic- listen to your patients, they will tell you the diagnosis. Oh, yeah. But quite often we don't listen. We just hear what we want to hear or what sits in our little bubble. And we don't listen to the trauma that they've had or the, you know where it all began it's just we're so quick to just put a band-aid on what they present with instead of going back to the cause of their problems and as you know in feeding it, it you know right back to in utero <laughs> if you can you
0: can go right back there and talk about 12 when they started swallowing in utero yeah <laughs> exactly
2: exactly so so you know it's it's um yeah, just listen to them communication. If you don't know the answer, tell them you don't know, but tell them you're sure as heck going to send them to someone who might know, and if they don't know, you'll send them to someone else. Be their person who who helps them and there is no it's not a scary place at all to be. It's a it's an amazing place to be to sit there and to be able to to help them achieve you know, either resolution or certainly a far better quality
0: of life. And, yeah. Absolutely, yeah.
1: The whole thing breaks down a little bit where when uh, you said you got the cream of the crop and you were describing those highly complex patients with long-term chronic pain, Sarah. And mm-hmm. these are the patients that get, end up getting referred to specialists often. And a specialist has a mindset. Basically, they're specialised in their area. Um, they're critical and essential um, for so many life-threatening illnesses and yet they're biologically focused. So mm. the, if they can't see the problem with the biology, if there's not a tumour there, if, if it's not a deformation, it's not a nerve compression, not something they can see, then they kind of, that, that's it. And it's pretty quick and not that hard for a, for a specialist to screen for those things. And so the consult's 10 minutes, you know, or it's 15 minutes or, or whatever, But we now know that, and um, Hallie, I'm sure you're across this, that the predominant and emerging um, um, description of pain is the biopsychosocial model of pain, where the bio is one part of the, this is true with chronic pain patients in particular, but the psychological component and the social triggers and anxiety components are huge huge components of, of pain. But your specialist really focuses on the biological and that's fine, that's his job. But this is why therapists like ourselves who can spend a bit more time, ask the questions um, are starting to address some of those more underlying components of um, chronic pain. I love that. And
0: so I want to know what, obviously you can't teach your whole Course over a podcast, nor am I even my asking you to? But I want to know, like, what is it behind this? What makes it so fast and functional? Like, what is the fast component to it that's working so beautifully?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's um so in the course we basically help um, therapists to so dental oral health therapists. Um, the main reason why people visit a, a dentist or even an oral. Um, a health practitioner of some description is because of pain. Um, and so that's kind of statistically out there. And so, and yet we've found, as I've talked more with Sarah and I've interacted with a lot more dentists and orthodontists and oral health therapists, et cetera, et cetera, um, the knowledge of pain and the differential diagnosis of pain that presents, like even just uh, trismus and, you know, the type of jaw pain and things that occurs, can often occurs after a prolonged dental procedure or after orthodontic interventions, um, what to do with that pain? How to differentially diagnose it is is um, not not really taught. Like it sounds pretty simple, um, and we know the red flags for pain. We know when it's you know a tumor or a trigeminal neuralgia, perhaps, or something more serious. But these very invisible, hard to identify, um, and more much more common types of pain around that jaw and orofacial complex are. Um, uh, are very poorly diagnosed. So I see patients who are sent to me by a specialist with trismus, for example, and the dentist has put them on antibiotics. Um, And, but it's just, just totally the wrong diagnosis. Um, And if you can, so what we, the the course is four modules. And basically the first three modules, we unpack um, acute joint pain and how then that looks different in module two to chronic muscular myofascial pain. And then in module three, what you need to be thinking about when it comes to the more complex long-term chronic, those patients where there's definitely sleep components, definitely tongue posture components, definitely anxiety perhaps components or social triggers and that type of thing. So if an um, a, an oral therapist, um, a dentist can, um, a lactation consultant, you name it, can um, categorise a patient into one of those areas. And it's not that hard to do when you know what you're looking for, then you, your prescriptions are going to be accurate. You're going to have them on the right track. And the tragedy is when, these, when that initial triaging is not done well, patients often end up becoming chronic pain type patients and highly complex and actually become very multifactorial. They're the kind of patient that need to see six different practitioners to get to the bottom of their um, uh, condition. And yeah, much, much, much harder to fix um, or get get good results with. So the fast part is um, basically the soft tissue. uh, How do I say this very quickly and simply? If you can improve function, then You will typically get improvement in pain but if you just address pain you know drugs or don't use it anymore you know just immobilize the jaw or the neck or whatever it is um, then you might get temporary relief in pain but you won't get a lasting outcome so the first priority is improving function now that might be neck range of movement it might be um, jaw function and range of movement in the jaw And so what we found is that um, a very um, simple and quick uh, soft tissue manipulation to the the right parts of the jaw face, intra and extra oral, we've made a little four muscle protocol that's very simple. You can do it in three to five minutes, um, can change function dramatically, um, very quickly. And that may not get rid of the patient's pain instantly. But as they use that improved function, again, it's the same kind of philosophy as myofunctional neuromuscular retraining. As that, and so we combine it with myofunctional exercises. Um, then they get not just pain relief, but they actually get lasting change. And uh, sometimes it's um, almost saddening how quickly patients with 18 months of pain or two years of pain actually get better. And you kind of think, oh, they could have done this a long time ago. <laughs> you know, it takes a week or two weeks or something. Yeah. So
2: Hallie, over over the course of Tim and at my adventure, every time we go to a conference or we um, yeah. somewhere together, we always come across patients or, or practitioners who say, oh, I've had this particular pain for however long, the amount of dentists and TMJ specialists and everything that say, can you just have a look at this? Because, because they're all sort of stuck here. And you know, and Tim goes, "Well, your problem's coming from here." And they say, oh, I've done every TMD course out there. They never told us that you know that the head was connected to the body, essentially." And um, and I guess, and I filmed, I film every all of these cases that Tim does because it's it's like it's miraculous, it's ridiculous how fast. He can solve their problems. And, and like he said, some of them, you know, they're just pure coincidence. You know, we went and saw a prosthetist down at the Gold Coast when Steve Olmos, who's a big TMD dentist in the States, was here. And this was Steve Olmos's lab technician. And we went into his laboratory and his assistant is saying, oh, I've had this pain for 18 months, like right in the thick of this. And I said to Tim, you have to treat her. Treat her now and I'm going to film it. And she's no, one of the cases that we've, we've presented, um, that one treatment with some myofunctional therapy exercises and her life changed. Like that's how simply it can be solved. But it's almost too simple for people to kind of go, oh, it's got to be more complex than that. Surely you've got to put gadgets and make splints and do all this expensive stuff. Um, it's when when you see the way that Tim breaks down his rationale and why it works, it makes total sense. Now, and, and the fast part is the part that you and me as clinicians, we need it to be fast because that's not our focus. We need something that's going to be quick, give results, give the patients hope, and then we send them off to Tim or the body workers of the world, but at least they know that there's something that can be done in conjunction with what we do as well. So I think it's it's very much designed in a way to fit into a dental practice or a myofunctional therapy practice because there's no point in, like when I went to to craniosacral and other physical therapy classes that I've done and I just in my head I couldn't work out how I'm going to apply that practically so this takes the body workers skill and knowledge and and even me who's not a body worker can you know get enough specific sort of instructions I know where the masseter is I know where the temporalis is if I do it this way I tell you it's it's pretty idiot proof isn't it Tim (laughs) if I've been able to do it and the great thing about it is it's less is more. At first I used to do it and do it and do it because I thought it had to be a long massage because everyone taught long massage, but this is literally you go over it once it's. And, and so the way we integrate this protocol into our examinations is it's, it's while we're doing an assessment. So I'm doing an assessment on a dental patient and, and there's really no harm and it's, Everyone has these free counts. Is it in your scope of practice? Well, yes, I've been trained to pulpate the lymph nodes and I'm allowed to touch the masseter and I'm allowed to touch the temporalis. And while I'm assessing, I'm actually treating, I'm getting feedback, I'm communicating with the patient. How does that feel? You know, let me know if it hurts. Tell me to stop if you don't like it. If the patient isn't a pain patient, it's still not lost because they go, oh, that just feels really good. So what a nice way to start a dental appointment to go, oh, that feels really good. Now, if they are a pain sufferer, they'll go, oh, yeah, on the right side, yeah, actually I've always had problems there. And then it opens up a conversation for you to be able to help them because most of these patients are not being asked the right questions to be able to find the people that can help them.
0: Yeah. Well, and I can see how a myofunctional therapist, speech pathologist, RDH, who's doing, you know, doing myo could absolutely integrate this right into what they're already doing in their evaluations. Cause I know that's, that's what I'm touching when I, when I'm on their face and I'm, you know, we do for my feeding cases and my pediatrics, I do go in the mouth too, a little bit too, to see, to feel muscle and tension Mm -hmm. and what's going on. And, you know, yeah. why does this why this side look overdeveloped and this side is underdeveloped? I'm guessing you only chew over here. But, you know, we know what that's going to turn into as they continue to use those patterns, those maladaptive patterns. So yeah. it, this is fascinating. And I'm sitting here going, hi, huh, I probably could help my mom. And I have your course sitting in my inbox. So now, I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> now that yeah. I've met some of my deadlines and I'm, I'm doing a conference this week online. So I'm like, as soon as that is over, yeah. I'll be doing your course and I'll just, I'll let everybody know how it goes. Uh, but I'm yeah. really excited because this sounds super functional and something that I teach um, in my feeding course to speak with all the OTs, the online that we recently launched is fascia is connected and I say from your tongue to your toes because I want to drive home and the whole concept of it nothing works in isolation in the body it's all interconnected and I had um, a really fantastic practitioner on Monica Berger who is a chiropractor and she teaches some courses too um, I think online as well actually and she was one of the first people I had on the podcast who also spoke to that concept that we are completely interconnected. And what you do here, especially in the mouth and the tongue and the, you know, impacts the rest of the body. And I was like, Oh, thank you for saying out loud what I have just assumed to be the truth. You know the case, but nobody ever presented research to me, or I haven't really went gone to find the research that supports what I believe or hypothesize. I don't know if it even exists. And so she and I had an interesting conversation about that because I work with body workers, I've been treated by body workers, I've taken my family to body workers. But like you said, there are so many people out there who will admittedly say, there isn't research to back what I'm doing, I just know it works. And yeah. that's, that's enough for me, but I know that's not enough for most of the medical world. And I think it is nice as, as healthcare providers, if we can explain to our patients you know this is why we're doing what we're doing this, this is working because of x y and z and yes everything in the body is interconnected so i love that yeah. you've been able to pull that together which is yeah. something like is a big with, premise of with the
2: work here the world. research behind yeah. it and i think that's been the feedback we've gotten from some of the really like prominent myofunctional therapists in the states is it's what i've always thought So it's so nice to hear that it's actually real and you pull it all together to validate what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. And you know yourself, once it's validated, then you go with power. You go, okay, yep, I've got that. Now, what can I learn next? And um,
1: like when I was working clinically and just getting good results and consistently fixing, you know, getting lasting results for patients who had tried everything else, um, it just kind of became normal. And that builds word of mouth, obviously, and makes you a very busy practitioner. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I couldn't figure out how it worked so quickly. And so Mm -hmm. that set me on my own journey to really study fascia. And there's probably two big ways of thinking about fascia and its uh, connectivity. One is that fascia is fairly inelastic. So it's it's soft but structural tissue. Um, It's literally wrapped around and interwoven throughout um, all of our body Um, so the freedom under the tongue for example is um, it looks like a fascial string um, but it only looks like a string because it's it's actually more like a sheet of glad wrap until you lift the tongue and it draws it together which makes it look like a string so um, and it's in contrary to some popular opinion you can't stretch it technically Um, and so this kind of uh, connective tissue this fascia uh, uh, is literally connected from the tongue through the um, through the neck and the thorax to the diaphragm and the hip flexors, etc. All the all the way through. There's continuity all the way through. Um, when you when you apply that kind of thinking about fascia to the lower limbs, when you walk, for example, um, your body is incredibly efficient. So it's not a matter of muscles having to contract fully to perform every movement, but it uses the fascial bands to as um, preload or stored energy. So when you swing your leg forward, it creates an amount of load or stretch through the fascia that makes it naturally want to start to swing backwards um, to take the next step. And so the body uses these fascial, uh, this fascial connectivity for great efficiency with um, with movement. But it also means that my my thighs and hip flexors and diaphragm are all fascially very structurally connected. So we've kind of been learning about that thanks to the likes of Carla Stecco in uh, Italy, who's an orthopedic surgeon, who's done a lot, probably more than anyone, fascial dissection and others like Tom Myers in the US. Um, and, but the, the other side of fascia is the fact that it's a thinking tissue And so fascia has always been seen by the medical profession as the white stuff you cut through to get to the real organs. And um, no one's ever actually studied it exclusively until literally the last decade or so, maybe 10, maybe 15 years. And what we're finding is that it's very, very rich proprioceptively. It's packed full of mechanoreceptors and proprioceptors. In other words, it's connected to your central nervous system And it's conveying information about whatever it covers into the central nervous system. And this goes so far as to, you know, how you go to the doctor and they do it, do a knee tap reflex, you know, the one, um, well, you know, we can attribute that reflex to your Golgi tendon organs, which is in that fascial layer. What happens is, um, the, the fascia senses, the mechanoreceptors in the fascia sense the stretch and decide, wait a minute. Um, do I need to react against that? They shoot a message to the central nervous system and the fascial conductivity is so fast that it creates that reflex from back from that segment of the spine without it even reaching the brain. So it, the brain hasn't caused that reflex. It's a fascial reflex that, um, the mechanoreceptors in the fascia have, have created. So, um, without talking all day, uh, it, it just helped me to understand, oh, if I stimulate, especially the epimysium, which is the layer of fascia kind of on the surface of the muscle, if I stimulate it the right way on a skeletal muscle, so on a masseter, for example, um, I would find clinically that the function of masseter would change virtually instantly. And it wasn't because I massaged it really hard. In other words, I didn't loosen it but I stimulated it. And that's a very different way of thinking. Mm. And so it means that a lot of those heavy, slow, painful kind of techniques um, really come from a way of thinking that says, I'm the therapist, that muscle's tight and it's not meant to be. I know better than the body and I'm going to, you know, mush it until it's loose. I'm going to massage it really hard until it's loose, no matter how much it hurts. Whereas, a much more subtle stimulation and osteopaths have been over this for for a hundred years but the research is really just starting to come out now a very subtle stimulation and then let's just do like the four muscle protocol um make it brief three minutes and just look at your movement again let's see if it's changed and very often it's changed and we are like okay it's changed well why would i do more why would I keep pounding away at those muscles? So I apply that rationale to whether I'm working on a lower back or a knee or a neck or a jaw. And um, it's been very, very faithful um, for me clinically.
0: That's actually very helpful. It makes a lot of sense because when I took my, my daughter to the osteopaths, she wasn't yet crawling. Um, and I think she had just started walking maybe, but I know as a developmental therapist that we need to crawl. Crawling is a very important developmental milestone for many reasons. More so than we'll go into here. And within, I don't know, she wasn't walking yet either. Within three days, she stood up after that appointment. And, you know, when you go to an osteopath, it looks like they barely put her hands on her. She was sitting on my lap and, you know, it's a husband wife team and, you know, they did their thing. And I was like, okay. And that was my first experience, you know, as a mom going to an osteopath with my child. And three days later, she stood up and started walking. And then, and she was, not delayed yet but we were getting there and she was that kid who was treated by a traditional PT from torticollis, had her tongue-tie release, you know the whole thing um, and never really fell behind her milestones but also never crawled. She would drag one foot behind her and but she was on her front hands. She could get up the stairs that way. She could very quickly get across the room and I just sat there as that therapist and the my mom going, oh come on, <laughs> put that knee down, put that knee down. Um, and. A week after she started walking, she started crawling, and I was so excited. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is the best day ever!" My husband was like, "Why are you excited? She's already walking." I was like, "You have no idea what this means for development and full body connections and all the things that are happening right now." And he was like, "Okay, whatever." But you know, it's, it makes so much sense when you explain it the way you just did, as to you know that that minimal input that she needed after all that time we spent in physical therapy, traditional physical therapy. You know, that one appointment is what I attribute to her success with walking and then crawling right after. And I was like, wow, something about the fascia just needed to be
1: Yes. So we have, the beauty of that is that, you know, your allied health, you know, other than body workers, so your dentists and orthodontists and um, uh, other oral health therapists can can leverage that and use it. Like you don't need to know everything about the cervical spine and everything about um, every piece of fascia in the mouth, but that four muscle protocol where you, well you can do this and just see if it changes that person's function. And I think well, the more we talk to, to dentists and train dentists in particular, um, the more we kind of think it, every dentist should have this up their sleeve because half the time they their prolonged procedure leads to some kind of <laughs> um, dysfunction in that face and jaw, and it could be corrected very quickly and simply, or at least identified and referred a lot more quickly and simply.
0: This is amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Is there anything else that you want to add either about your program or do you want to share a little bit about the program that you have that you're offering um, so everybody knows where to find you?
1: Yeah, so um the original program that I've created that I s that is really targeting bodyworkers. So the the kind of rationale that I've just unpacked, um <clears throat> that's um that's a six-week uh course. And it goes through the science, it goes through the rationale, it goes through the application, uh, 70 or 80 videos. And um, it's really for body workers, whole body. So we treat everything from the big toe to headaches uh, as far as pain goes using this technique. And um, yeah, it's very, very exciting. I just love hearing feedback from therapists that do it because a lot of the time they can actually reduce their time frames and and be much more efficient in what they're doing. Personally, I can work very efficiently and so I can kind of juggle my time frames. if I have a patient that's highly complex and I need to talk to them for a lot longer, I'll just create more space. But the majority of people, you know, you can treat them a lot more quickly than most physical or soft tissue therapists realise um, they can. So that's uh, fastandfunctional.com is is it, is the website. Um, there's plenty of info on there. So physical therapists, body workers, massage therapists, chiros, osteos have all done that Kind of training and then um the what sarah and i have just developed is uh can be found on the same site um, but we can put links under this i guess um, yeah, we'll put them right
0: in, the in the show notes, notes and yeah so yeah, that can find very easily
1: yeah at least a link so that tmd program um is on the same site and a, and a page on that site um, but even on the um page where you where you get access to the program there's a good half an hour of videos on there just like if you're not sure what it what it looks like or what you're getting yourself into you, there's lots of information all the modules are spelled out um, and so it's a little it's useful for education in and of itself just that page yeah that's fantastic yeah,
0: and it,
2: okay. oh sorry i was going to say and the, and the technique the thing that really blows me away about this technique is i can have any sort of a problem Tim and I when we do see each other I've always got something I've got whiplash or I've got a sore elbow or a sore wrist or something you know Tim my elbow's been really sore can you fix it yeah yeah Sarah yeah I will and then I'll be driving him to the airport and say you didn't fix my elbow and he'll literally it's literally you know 20 seconds 10 seconds and um, I'm like can't you just spend a little bit more time because surely that can't fix it and I'm not kidding you, like I, I reversed into a pole once before I picked him up and I thought for sure I'm going to need a chiropractor because that was a big well, jolt.
1: You like a train wreck, Sarah. Way I know.
2: And I had this, I was nursing this sore shoulder and sore neck and we ran a course up here and then I said to him, you've got to fix that. And I thought I'll get him to do a little bit of the soft tissue and then I'll go and see my chiropractor. And lo and behold, he did whatever he did on those muscles and I didn't need my chiropractor and I thought wow this is really you know it just constantly even after three years of knowing him my mind is still blown at how effective the technique is and and also at how you know how easy it is to apply so for me it's Crazy. When I go for a massage now, I try to tell the massage therapist to. I used to love the good deep tissue massage, but now I can feel how counterproductive it is, and I want them to just do some some of Tim's technique, and um, because it, the results are so fast, you know. So so yeah. So I just I just think it's it's um yeah it's a really incredible technique and then we brought it into our world and like you know unless something is explained and the rationale is given you don't understand it and you don't apply it or you don't refer to use it this i think just you know tim is amazing at explaining the pain science and and how he has put this technique together like the science that behind why it works i think like you said, you went to the osteopath and you're kind of like, oh, did they really do anything? But if you understand it and you can apply that to your patients and they get relief, then you can... It's, it's actually an amazing segue into getting patients to see body workers because there's a whole group of people out there who will not go to a chiropractor or an osteopath because they've been told that that's pseudoscience or whatever, they've got no idea. So if you can apply a little bit of, a little bit of, you know, this, this magic and, and they go, wow, that's the most relief I've had in forever. And then I say to them, go and see the physiotherapist who can do these techniques, tell them you've seen me, you know, collaboration is everything and understanding, what that body worker can do, and also recognising, you know, I need you them to assess you because there might be something wrong with your cervical spine or your back or whatever. It's It's all about popping our head up for long enough to understand what exists out there so ultimately we can help our patients get better outcomes. That's what it's all about, yes. get better outcomes by working together.
0: Yeah. Well, and I like that message too, because it goes back to what is causing the pain initially and let's treat the root of the the problem, not just slap a mandate on it, which is often like, it's what you've talked about, obviously, when we don't, figure out the root mm-hmm. of the problem and we just hand them a medication that clearly is not gonna yeah. treat what's going on. You know, it's we yeah. I think we've probably all been there at some point in our life where we're like, this is not working. Um yeah. so, but that's that is a big message that I often share with people is my goal is to help get to the root of your problem. And sometimes that takes a team, but mm-hmm. you know, we have to figure out what your team looks like because not everybody's team is the same and, you know, Thankfully, as a mom, I've been able to go to enough practitioners between me and my kids that I usually have a personal story. And so yeah. when I say, well, look what they did for me or look what they did for, you know, Lily or Mia, they're like, okay, fine, we'll go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when you can show them or have them feel, like you said, how well it works just in that mm. instant, that, I mean, that, how powerful is that to be able to just yeah. give them a little bit of relief real fast and they go, okay, yeah. if I can get more of this, like, I'm, yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned and
1: earlier obviously- that that biopsychosocial kind of model of pain and the psychological and social triggers that can be part of pain. If a patient who is convinced they can't get better can get relief, so you might not fix them, but if you mm-hmm. get them, give them relief, not only have you improved biological function, but you've improved their, their mindset, like yeah. instantly. They've gone, oh, oh, that actually feels different or I can move that more. Um, and so you're really kind of killing two birds with one stone in, in that respect. Powerful. Really, mm. really powerful. And so, the training is called a functional approach to TMD. So um, it's really combining the myofunctional retraining with that hands-on, because so much TMD treatment has been shrouded in "this is really serious, and you know you might die, and <laughs> you know you need you need." You don't
0: die. You'll be in pain for <laughs> Like this 20, 000, your topic, this is chronic pain for the rest of your life is the message that most of my patients have when they come in with TMD yeah. issues, and I've also been taught as a myofunctional therapist, oh, be so careful when you're touch- when you're asking your myofunctional therapy patients to do this, this, and this because you don't want to trigger that and that and yeah. that, you know, TMJ, They're, they've got yeah. dysfunction up there, and don't set it off. Don't ask them to pop anything or do this. And so, can you speak to that at all? Like, is there anything that? <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, yeah. So I've got a, I've got a little story on that It just came to mind. Um, when I was in Seattle with Sarah and um, we were at a Breathe, um, we are speaking at, at a part of a Breathe workshop, there were about 70 dentists in the room. And sure enough, many of them came to me in the break. I've got this, I've got that, you know. And um, I saw a lady with, um, uh, she had a history of TMD and she had it treated like, decade ago and she got better but she put up with it for years and it was horrible for her Um, and she was terrified of ever getting it again and she's a dentist and she experienced um, I can't remember if she had a procedure or or whether something changed but she was experiencing some premature contact in one of her uh, molars and that uh, sensation um, had started to trigger a reactive uh, symptom and she started to get those T, TMD symptoms that she'd had years ago. And she was quite anxious when she saw me. And um, that's a classic uh, uh, that kind of scenario is reflects, I was talking to another dentist um, who was head of some associations or something, and she was at, at the same conference and she was saying, we know that a one mil difference in occlusal, you know, in occlusion or premature contact can trigger TMD. Now that's kind of true, kind of, but you need a bunch of other factors for that to be true. So when I saw this lady at the same conference, I gave her some treatment. I did some intra and extra, role. I did the four muscle protocol on her. I said, let's just retest your movement. And she put her teeth back together and she said, I can't feel that premature contact anymore. And I thought, ah, oh, it's a little bit superstitious. Like it's a bit, <laughs> kind of seriously. Like you know, I'm a skeptic, okay. So uh, Have your own work of the I, do. <laughs> I love getting great outcomes, uh, and sometimes I just I don't care how how it works as long as it works um but um, I'm a skeptic, so I'm like, okay, that's probably you know a psychological thing like i, I haven't changed that too, you know um and so i was I was honestly, I saw her the once um, and then the reason why I bring this story up is because that lady with the fear associated, the history associated, would, could very easily have gone. She was like, oh, I don't want to get the tooth shaved down. I don't want to um, get it extracted. You know, she was nervous about all of these things. And um, the only reason I remembered her, to be honest, is because I got a phone call from a lady just last week. So this was about 12 months ago, that story. And I said, oh, how did you hear about me? Because she was inquiring about doing some training. And she said, oh, my, I work for this dentist, and she told me, you're the guy I have to speak to. And I said, Oh, what happened? And she described the story and it was that lady. And, and I was like, Oh, is she good? And she's like, yeah, she's, she's good. Like from that day on, she was whatever it was is was solved. And so um, there's a lot of the TMD treatment. world does put a lot of stake, a lot of clout in occlusal contact and all of that. And yes, that can be a trigger, especially if your sleep's rubbish and your airway's rubbish and your, and your aerobic fitness is rubbish and, and you've got all these comorbidities, then that little trigger is gonna be enough to potentially lead to TMD. But if you're a relatively fit, relatively healthy individual, your airway's okay, you're sleeping okay, there's really no reason. You know, it doesn't come down to one mill of contact. Mm. It, again, that's really putting all of the emphasis on the biological. So you can see how this gets so easily confused. Okay. Um, it's just multifactorial and yeah. and so that lady's story is a good one
0: yeah no, that, that and that's amazing but it's a great example i think that'll really uh, resonate with some people and you know like i said we we were trained that you just have to be so careful because you can just set things off and you so that's always and it's
1: i don't want to dissuade people because you can you know you can set yes. things off yes um, mm-hmm. but the long-term solution is always going to be more function not less right right <laughs> function, increase function, yeah. you're going to get solutions. You're going to get lasting solutions. And so I don't want to also, um, just to be clear as a caveat, I don't want to say, you know, splints and um, kind of high-end uh, TMD treatment protocols are a waste of time. There's definitely a place for those, definitely. But our passionate kind of plea is, well, let's do the simple stuff. Let's do the functional, the retraining the simple hands-on maybe the body work and that will either solve the patient's problems or it will set them up to be very responsive to the the high end and the splint um, therapy and that type of thing mm-hmm. um, yeah so that's our heart
0: well and you make a good point right because it could if, if it's not the only solution how much more successful will they be and responsive to these other treatments because you've set them up for that and they're there's already more function gained, right? I'm assuming most people Absolutely. are not walking away with, with no function gained. So, whether not, it might not be the final answer, but I mean, that's, I, I like less is more, right? Start with less and let's slowly Absolutely. build up if we need more.
2: And, and I think from a my functional therapist perspective, because we are asking them to do a lot with their tongue, with their face, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, for want of a better word, exercising that quite intensively. So, you know, if you're exercising your body intensively, you want to go and get a massage or get releases done. So this is how this comes into play is movement is a healing agent. But in doing that, we we acknowledge that there's restrictions or there's tensions that we need to help with body work. So it goes hand in hand. It's the movement is the key, but being able to release that, to be able to move, to be able to get better, is where the beautiful partnership comes in. I love it.
0: So I love it. Well yeah. is wonderful. Is there any anything
1: else that you guys want to add? We oh, talk it's stuff, we'll just have to do another
0: podcast. Okay. <laughs> oh, there's more to talk about <laughs> sounds great. Yeah, you phenomenal. can apply
2: you can apply this to babies, to toddlers, to you know, it's just a different, you know, level of intensity, I guess. And in the in the program, you know, I've got an infant in there. So I just show you how I would apply this to an infant and um and again you've always just got to remember and it's like i said it's taken me years less is more it's it really doesn't require much to stimulate that no you're not going to hurt them um you know because it's you can only help them with this and um but communication is is key and um yeah let's no, make those patients better. <laughs>
0: that's fantastic. I'm like, I need to get my hands on this right now because I have yeah. families who are like, yeah, we'll go to body work. And then they leave and get the release and they don't go to body work. And then I can tell when they come back, I'm like, you didn't go to body work. <laughs> yeah. You didn't go no. where you said you were going to go. And so if I can yeah. have something that can at least help that yeah. child beyond you know the oral work I'm already doing with them. Mm-hmm. You know That would be Or in place of it who knows that would be phenomenal so
2: yeah and and one last story sorry i was just thinking of this patient when i was when we were in la last year with with dr Zaghi at the breathe institute i was sitting in quite a lot of consults with him and so you can again you imagine the patients that go to him have have quite severe problems and i was sitting through this consult of he was you know a man in his late 40s and he said i just want to be able to eat a hamburger he's His opening was 22 mil. He was so restricted and he said, I'm actually, I'm just sick of it. It's been years and years. I've done everything I can do. It's time just to get surgery done. Here I am. Take it away. And anyway, so Dr. Zalian did this phenomenal consultation. I tell you, sitting in there, I said to Dr. Zalian, you need TV cameras in here it's amazing how he how he operates. And at the end of it I said to to Dr. Zargi, can I just take him this patient into the next room and just do the fast and functional protocol just to give him some relief in the meantime? And Dr. Zaghi, you know, Dr. Zaghi is so open to everything, he's like, sure, go for it. And we went into to a consult room and um, and so very gingerly I did our four four muscle protocol and we got ten mil extra opening. Now, to go from 22 mil to 32 mil for this man was life-changing. And he could not believe that something so quick made such a difference. And he said, where do I get this done? Like, that was, you know, that was just phenomenal for him. And I said, well, we're here training people. and But that's how quickly the muscles responded in someone who was so chronic. Um, So, yeah, so every story... Has, and the bounce in that man's step and the excitement to, you know, go ahead with my functional therapy and, you know, and I, I, I haven't asked um, Dr. Zaghi whether or not he went through with the surgery or whether or not doing my functional therapy coupled with the physical therapy was enough to, to have him eating his hamburgers again. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's the difference something really simple and collaborative can, can make.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a perfect story to end on. I mean, that's, it's beautiful, right? The little, the little things you can do yeah. to just make such a big yeah. difference in someone's life. His goal was eating yeah. hamburger, right? But you also yeah. never would have known that unless you had asked him why he was there and what yeah. you can help him do. So that whole, you know, yeah. conversation with your patient, they come in and you're like, okay, surgery, let's go. Yeah. Which unfortunately is the model in so many places. And this guy just wanted to eat a hamburger. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> <so Totally>. <laughs> I love, it. I love it i know we can talk all day you guys have been absolutely amazing i'm super excited to go through the course myself um is there anything else that you want to add
2: no, no we're just really really, really grateful thank you so much for your time and thank you for what you do in spreading the word it is so desperately needed and you know really? our philosophy is always if it helps one person it was worth it yes. you know and um so yeah well.
0: You get fun, you know. that, yeah. That say, Oh my gosh, that episode was like so informative and so new. And so, um, and I understand that you have an upcoming free webinar that you would like to share with us about your course. Can you tell us, tell us a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. Um, so on Tuesday, the 7th at 8 PM EST, we're offering a, offering a free webinar. So that webinar will literally unpack some of the stuff that we've just talked about, um, how do you triage those three common presentations of um, TMD and orofacial pain? Um, it's really useful educational info uh, in the webinar, but it's also, for those of you that are interested in doing the training, it'll really give you a good feel for the content of the training. And so um, for, for your uh, audience, Hallie, we're, we'll be really happy to offer a discount into the training after that course. It'll give people free education plus a discount plus really knowing what you're actually signing up for. So it'll really unpack the the course in, in a lot of detail and give you some really useful takeaway clinical um, ideas just from the webinar itself. So they're, they're, we've run one or two of them already and they've been very, very popular. We've had hundreds and hundreds of people um, attend those webinars. And so it's great info and um, everyone is welcome.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you for that, for offering that to our listeners. I will make sure that's also in the show notes. We'll make sure we share that on social media in case anybody's listening to this and driving. Don't you don't have to stop the car and <laughs> write anything down. Um, we'll make sure that's all available to you guys and we'll even shoot out an email to our listeners with all that information as well so they can have access to that webinar. So thank you. That's fantastic.
1: That's great. I love it.
0: All right, guys. Have a wonderful day and thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Hallie thanks for listening to this podcast if you want to hear more of these myotots airway and feeding related episodes be sure to leave a review on apple podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the untethered podcast if you found value others you know in this space will too so be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms and Join us over on Facebook, on my Facebook page at Hallie Biz, on Instagram at, at Hallie And you can head over to theuntetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes, um, where you can also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes.